Hello, and welcome to episode 63 of the Unraveling Technology podcast. I'm back. We're all back. Me, Joe Tonks, David Johnson, Adam Willerton, and our special guest star today, Viv Khaled. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, it's an absolute honour. I know you're one of the few that has yet to uh, to make an appearance, but I knew we'd get you in here eventually. Yeah. Um, for your final final couple of days. Yeah. It, before you abscond. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. How are you finding it all? Is it uh, emotional? I, it kind of has been. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think I'm at the point now where it's the next thing to happen, and uh, mm-hmm. let's get on with it. Yeah, it's just just you know what I mean. Rip the rip the plaster off. <laughs> get it mean. over and done with. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you? Do you have like a standout? If you were to choose a defining memory of Bertrand Howden, does anything in particular stand out? Is it anything be... that's not going to incriminate us or our clients? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, one of the first um, social exercises that happened Mm -hmm. when i started was to break down a wall between our current building and the next oh yeah which was an experience okay Uh, you said social event and breaking down walls i thought we were going to go into some sort of metaphorical falling back into each other's arms (laughs) no (laughs) literally smashing a wall to bits colleagues and ex-colleagues yeah armed with hammers and crowbars and Looking far too excited at the prospect. <laughs> well, it's it's a bit different, isn't it, from the day to day? I do have video footage of me with my camera sort of at the wall as the other side, you know, as, as someone breached through from the other side. Yeah, there you go. Like something out of The Shining. <laughs> That's a good memory. Yeah, the building's really changed since then, hasn't it? Mm. Mm. Well, uh, everyone else, good. I know it's been a f- it's been a few weeks. I was kind of disappointed when I was sat there by the pool that like I didn't see any new episodes go up. Oh, it, yeah, sorry, Joe. It's yeah. been a little bit insane here with you gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Holding the place together. I'm the glue that holds this place together. Well done for surviving two weeks without me. <laughs> well, this episode's going to feel a little bit selfish because I'm going to talk about something that's very near and dear to my heart at the moment. Having just been on a breakneck tour of Orlando, Florida and checking out pretty much every theme park. Um, I thought maybe we could talk a bit about theme parks, <laughs> because guess what? I've got a lot to say about it. And um, I think when we discussed it yesterday in the kitchen, the consensus is that there's, that, you know, maybe we don't go to theme parks as much as we all did when we were younger, if we did. Viv, were you a theme park enthusiast? Um, Your youth? Not particularly. I've, no. I've dabbled. What was everyone's last theme park experience? I went to Alton Towers. I don't remember how long it was ago, probably several years. Mm. Uh, I went with a mutual friend of ours, and okay. um, it was a little bit of a depressing experience because I hadn't been to a theme park for a while. Yeah. And sort of my memory of theme parks was being, you know, a, a child slash teen, young teen, and like going during the ho- during some holidays that didn't match up to other holidays so it's all empty and you just kind of run around you know go on nemesis and then you run around and go on nemesis again yeah. and go and just like every two minutes i went on back ripsaw on. six times in a row yeah and just point. just being able to do that whereas this time mm. i sort of rode a roller coaster and then was like, right, I need to sit down for a bit. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. I thought you were going to go with the whole queues thing, like the amount of people. Are. But no. I guess it kind of depends on when you go. I think I think we did go at some, don't go at school holiday, basically. Yeah. If you can avoid going at school holiday times, don't go at school holiday times. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it was more just my tolerances for anything like that just seemed to have dropped, which made me feel very old. It's quite sad, isn't it? Um, cause I, I had the same thing in Florida, actually. Um, I, I thought it was carnival rides specifically as opposed to theme park rides mm. because I haven't been to a theme park in a while, but I have been to a couple of sort of, you know, these carnivals that just kind of appear in a park 
at some point. And you kind of feel those are a little bit more rickety and... You do. Yeah, yeah. they definitely throw you around uh, a lot harder. It's not quite as smooth an experience. And I always kind of put it down to that. Oh, well, these are carnival rides. They're just not as... Not as not as well put together as theme park rides, but yeah, definitely felt it. Um, do you, do you deal with uh, motion? What would you call it? Is it motion sickness? I guess motion sickness. Motion sure. sickness on roller coasters, with um, I'm terrible at getting uh, dizzy very easily. Okay. So yeah, <clears throat> I'm with you on the uh, the carnival rides. You know the the, the whirly things, the, sc- <laughs> the scream if you want to be spun around fast. In the yeah. Shows. Oh gosh, no, I'd rather not. Um, do you have like a limit like a a, a thrill limit are there rides that you won't go on I don't think so no last time I went to uh, Alton Towers which again was a good few years ago but I'm pretty sure I went on every ride there was okay yeah I was up for that because you're also quite of of tall stature I wonder does that in any way affect your experience of rides. I mean, uh, not like, you know, I'm guessing you've never caught your head on a girder going through a loop <laughs> or anything like that, but... Yeah, I wouldn't have remembered it if I had. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that in any way contributes to it, apart from blocking out the person in the photo behind you. Yeah, it made some of them uncomfortable because they're clearly not made for someone of my height. Mm. So I had to kind of hunch down a bit to fit in the frame or whatever. Oh, so you have to kind of sit in a slouch the whole time. Yeah, a bit like that. Right, yeah. There were a few of those in America. They, in fact, a lot of the rides will have like uh, a seat before you actually get into the queue for the ride just to make sure that you can actually fit in the seat. Mm, I've seen that at UK theme parks as well. Mm. I guess because you wouldn't want to queue for two hours just to be told that you can't go on the ride because the restraints won't close. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, theme parks. So the thing that made me think about this episode was uh, I went to... On my various travels to, to, yeah, yeah, you roll your eyes, Adam. Went to <laughs> SeaWorld, and they've got a ride there called Kraken, which is just a roller coaster. Been on a lot of roller coasters. After at a certain point, they all kind of turn into one big roller coaster. There's only so many ways that you can sort of throw people around in a loop or a corkscrew. But this ride was under construction when I went there this time because they're redoing it. They're calling it Kraken Remastered or Kraken... Two or something like, <laughs> like that. A video game. The Revenge of Kraken. Revenge of the Kraken. But what they're doing this time is they're adding in a virtual reality component to it. So you'd get on the ride and you'd put on a headset. I think it's going to be Samsung Power by Oculus kind of deal. And you go around with a with a um a headset strapped to your face. It made me think it's been a it's been a long time since I've been to a theme park, as we've discussed. And times are a changing. Mm-hmm. The reason that people maybe go to theme parks is, I guess, tastes kind of changes the technology changes. So I just uh, thought we'd talk a little bit about the theme of tech. What sort of new new things are happening in the theme park arena? Because I imagine there's a lot of listeners who haven't been to theme parks for quite a while, much as I hadn't before I went to Florida. And by the sounds of it, like a lot of us haven't for a while so i found a website uh, there were a few links so there was one a website called themeparkinsider.com that had an article from last year asking what's the next big thing in theme park technology and uh to start off i've just mentioned vr already and uh, they seem to concede that it's a stepping stone but it comes with some caveats for instance when you go to a theme park you kind of go for kind of the the grand scale of it you're going for, yeah, like the theming and all stuff like that. And does having a VR headset strapped to your face the whole way around kind of undermine that experience or maybe make you feel like it's the same experience that you could have at home just sat on a seat? Or I guess just in, say, a motion simulator or, I don't know, 4D cinema. Mm. Yeah. At some level, if you're replacing everything that you can see with a video, the whole purpose of the roller coaster becomes just to make the motion match up with the video so if you can find a cheaper way of doing that and building sort of a multi-million pound steel monstrosity somewhere mm-hmm. and you can just build a, like, a motion simulator that gives you more or less the same effect and is much cheaper to ride and maintain and build then potentially that's going to be a better way of just showing that there was a bit where we got off a queue for a ride 
And my wife actually turned to me and said, I think I prefer the motion simulators. And I can <laughs> see why, actually. It kind of everything you just said about how it's easier, maybe cheaper, but there's more that you can do in a smaller space. I think that definitely applies, actually, because there are only so many ways that you can experience a roller coaster, but a simulator can do whatever. Viv, you mentioned motion sickness. Have you ever tried VR? Um, only a very little bit. Okay. And how did you find that? Did you have any adverse reactions to that? Or No, it was okay. Um, so I, I got a, a Google Cardboard from my Secret Santa uh, right, last year, yeah. so I was very chuffed with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I played around a little bit with the, the camera app. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was, I was all right. I didn't, I didn't suffer any adverse um, reactions to it or anything. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think that a lot of the stuff that people complain about, like there's, there's lots of ways to make people feel sick in using VR, <clears> um, <throat> which kind of technology. People are, are just kind of trying to figure it out as a, as a whole at the moment. But one of the common things that people complain about is if you're, according to the VR headset, you're in motion, whereas according to like everything else Your you're not self yeah. so um for example people talk about doing flight simulators or driving even driving cars you might think oh driving a car would be fine because i'm sat down and like in the car and i'm also sat down in reality but mm -hmm. when you take a corner in a car you're expecting to be flung to the side of it yeah um so kind of having a roller coaster that matches up to the motion is supposed to be, um, you know... Like make the, it better. Yeah, the symptoms that you're feeling are matching up to what you're seeing. So even if the kind of the video isn't what's actually there, then there's still the motion is. Mm -hmm. So in theory, it's supposed to be quite good and not give you motion sickness. And it is already kind of happening in a few parks. So I think mm. the Six Flags was one of the ones that was mentioned where it's already already a go. Yeah, they, they got a ro roller coaster called Revolution, which is now the new Revolution, oh, right, which okay. has got VR, which again is uh, Sam Samsung Gear VR. Right. I guess that's portable. I guess you couldn't really have the, the, the oomph to have a bunch of Oculus Rifts running and, and maybe, maybe you don't need to mm. if it's just for a small four-minute experience. The other thing is, so I mentioned queues earlier. Um, you do a lot of queuing over in, in theme parks in the States. I mean, maybe I went during Easter, so it probably wasn't a great time to go anyway. But the queues, you will quite often wait, unless you're there very early in the morning, which we were. Uh, we were we were at the Magic Kingdom for about 7 a.m. in the okay. morning. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's not an idea of a holiday, really, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but you, the, we get there really power through everything come home earlier and like lounge around in the pool mm. so that that was kind of the way to do it because by 11 a.m a lot of rides will have you know half an hour to like two hour queues sometimes mm. um and a lot of that is getting the getting the roller coaster into the station getting everybody out getting all the new people in putting their rests down <clears throat> making sure that everybody's got their little the little straps tied and if you're also throwing on top of that making everybody making sure everybody's got their vr headset on making sure that they've got it calibrated correctly if there's any calibration involved making sure it's working showing a picture mm. then yeah. you're going to add an awful lot of of overhead to that you talk about load times for mm -hmm. roller coasters that that you know an official guide i got that was 800 pages long mm -hmm. the things i learned from that it's actually quite astounding. But the, the, there's a lot of like roller coaster theory and stuff in there. Like there's different type of, like I never considered it, but you've got rides that stop and start. So pulls into the station, everyone gets off, everyone gets on. And there's continual movers, things like River Rapids rides that never stop. Mm -hmm. And those you're able to gauge the hourly amount of people that will get on a lot better or a lot easier than the ones that start and stop because you've got to wait for everyone to get in and out and, and all that stuff. <laughs> But uh, one of the things that also hit, struck me on a lot of the newer rides is how entertaining the queues are. Because if you're going to be waiting 30 to 50 minutes for a ride on an average day, it doesn't need to feel like it's wasted time. 
There's a lot of stuff that they do in the queues for rides. So there's a ride in Epcot. Um, funny thing about Epcot. Do you know why it's called Epcot? No. Okay. Anyone? Not a clue. Okay, right. I figured it was the name of some company or something. The company that owned the ball or something like <laughs> that. It, was, uh, it stands for Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. Because when they opened it, they wanted to essentially have this futuristic cityscape. They're like, oh, it's not going to be a theme park. It's going to be like a, a, a vertical slice of life in the future, like a, a, a prototype uh, world of tomorrow. But then investors came in and said, nah, let's just make it a theme park instead. <laughs> so that's why, it, why it's called that. But there's a ride in that called Soarin', which is where you basically sit in front of a big 4K screen and it feels like you're flying through... Um, through like various landmarks. So you're flying over the Eiffel Tower and all stuff like that. And in that queue, there's a, a quiz you can play on your smartphone while okay. you're waiting. So everyone's in the queue and you, you pick a color, you pick a team, and everyone's got their phones. Kind of like something like Jackbox Party Pack, that kind of thing, uh, where it's it's all connected to a central server, but you access it through a website. And that passes the time pretty mm. well. Or just theming. Like there's a lot of technical wizardry goes on in those queues. It sounds like a step up from my UK experience, which tends to be sort of every, I don't know, 50 meters of queue, there's a sign up with a fact (laughs) that's vaguely themed around something. The, um, what's that pinball thing at Alton Towers called? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Is that in the water park? No. I, you know what? It's been a while. I think the last thing that was new when I went to Alton Towers was air. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about my vintage as well. Yeah. But yeah, they they had a few things in the queue that were supposed to be interactive, but were all broken the last oh, time really? I was there. So yeah, it, it sounds like a step up. I, I'll say that for them. They keep everything moving at a pretty brisk pace. I also thought while I was there, it would be a great project for a, like an art or a design student, like design the staging area and queue for a roller coaster. Because mm. there's a lot of creative and logistical problems there which you could consider. So like, um, uh, how will the queue look? You know, do you have the ability to change the capacity for the queue? You know, just by pulling a rope across somewhere. Um, what sort of? How's the the ride loaded? What's the theme? There's really a lot, a lot that you could do there. That does actually sound really good. Yeah. I love that. I mean, the closest you've got is probably Roller Coaster Tycoon, but that's yeah. not really great for like a themed queuing particularly. Well, they've, they've made improvements. There's Ooh. the, I don't remember what it's called now, like the new thing by the people who made Roller Coaster Tycoon 3, but it's not licensed by the people who made it, Roller Coaster Tycoon. Not Tropico, is it? No, there's something else. Um, yeah, there's like a, a 3D theme park construction thing, which has very much got, I think it's got uh, Steam Workshop support. So if, you, if you're good at making 3D models and things, mm. you can sort of build your own queuing area stuff and yeah, just kind of theme your way, theme it, build a theme park with theme all of your, your custom success. theming. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, so the... Queuing, a lot of queuing. There's also kind of, uh, we were talking about this because I said that while I was over there, Animal Kingdom, which is like the animally bit of the theme parks, uh, they've got this whole section that's opening up based around Avatar. Remember that film from years ago? Of which I believe there's a sequel coming. Yeah, Uh, Not just one. (laughs) Well, kind of to my point is, if you're going to build something in a theme park... It's got to be something that you're pretty certain is going to have some kind of longevity to it. Mm. Like, there's a lot of rides there that have been about around for eons. Like, mm. when I went to Florida when I was really young, about, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, there was the E.T. ride. There was the Terminator 2 ride, and those are still both there. Really? Yeah. Did they still get, like, good foot, foot traffic? Through? Still get a decent amount, yeah. Although, it's definitely showing its age, some of it. So like the 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 Terminator Two one is where you're in a um it's one of these theater like 4D experience things so you're sat in a seat and just a load of stuff happens at you and it's a mix of stuff that's on a screen 
and then live action in front of you. So mm. you've got videos up on the wall of Arnold Schwarzenegger going around pretending to be the Terminator with the idea being that this person on the stage in front of you is actually a camera on him and he's actually Arnold Schwarzenegger running around with like a, a shotgun. Um, but the guy on the stage like had this massive like belly sticking out. He looked like he'd really let himself go. And he, was just, <laughs> he looked absolutely nothing like Arnold Schwarzenegger. But uh, yeah, some of them don't hold up so well. So I was saying yesterday, there's like a Muppets 4D experience, which is like a cinema and you sit there and things come out the screen at you and you get water sprayed at you and a wind machine. But that's kind of the sort of thing that you've seen in mainstream cinemas for the last four or five years. Yeah, there's definitely 4DX at Sheffield's Entertainment, which mm -hmm. I think has more things than that in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's got quite a lot going for it. Um, but, yeah, it does make you appreciate how far 3D has come because some of that 3D as well, you look at it and you think, oh, man, this is this is terrible. I don't know how they how they fix this, but they definitely have because it looks a lot better than it looks here. <laughs> so some that really don't stand the test of time. And audiences are fickle as well. You know, if something's not popular, then did you just scrap this thing that cost millions of dollars to make or do you try and make a go of it? Mm -hmm. So also at Epcot, they've got something called the World Showcase. So you've got the main theme park area and then there's a big lake and around the lake, there's all of these different little themed areas that are based. It's, it's kind of like It's a Small World writ large. There's lots of different areas. So you've got the, like the Mexican bit and the Japanese bit and the British bit complete with like uh, red phone boxes and all stuff <laughs> like that. And um, they've got a Norway bit that had a Viking ride. And they've recently scrapped all that and they've fr themed it Frozen instead. <laughs> and it, it worked for them. I could tell you that. <laughs> they have recorded lines of up to 300 minutes on that ride, which is five hours for a ride, for a four-minute boat ride. No way. For real. And it's only 300 minutes because the signs don't go any higher than 300 minutes. <laughs> Imagine queuing for five hours to get on a five-minute ride. But that's why you get there early. Did you <laughs> go on it? Yeah. But it? when we went, it was that was probably one of the longer queues we were in, and that was about 45 minutes. Epic. Was it good? It's all right. <laughs> saying the animatronics are quite good because what they've kind of done is they've got your, 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 your Annas and your Elsas and these, these animatronic models that move around but they they project the faces on from inside the models so it's just like a, I guess a kind of translucent or slightly opaque mannequin and then a projector projects the face onto it so you get all the animation and everything with it it does actually look really good <laughs> but not something you want to queue for for five hours for. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that was quite good. Um, another thing that seemed to be new, I know that Alton Towers back in the day had queue pass or whatever it was called. So the idea for keeping queues down was that you could you could book a slot and then come back in you know, 20 minutes, half an hour's time. Uh, they do something like that now called Pass Plus. No, Pass Plus is something to do with driving. <laughs> fast pass <laughs> and uh, and that's where it's all linked to the app as well so you get these rfid chipped wristbands which is quite quite funky like they'll sell thousands of them all different straps and faces you can get them customized with your name on it's a nice little learner for them they're very good at nice little learners magic bands magic bands that's yeah very cool you go in the park and you use it in conjunction with an app to get pictures so back in the day you know you go on oblivion of blocking out the person behind you and the picture goes <laughs> off and, and then you pay 10 quid for the privilege of having that printed out and oh, put yeah. into a little cardboard frame yeah. well the way that happens now is you go on the ride and at the end you've got all the pictures on the wall uh, on these tvs and beneath each of them is this little this little uh, round disney orb with like a little white led going around in lazy circles and you go up to it with your magic band and you rub it against it and it like pulses green and then when you open the app next, that picture of you on the roller coaster is on the app. Ah. Yeah. And we just took total advantage of it because uh, you do kind of pay more for the privilege as was kind of a package thing. But there's photographers everywhere. 
all over the place. So every time we saw a photographer just get a bunch of pictures with him, I think we easily had over 200 by the end. <laughs> Got a picture with Pocahontas. Nice. Picture with Baymax. <laughs> the Baymax one was quite good. You know Baymax from Big Hero 6, like the, the big kind of white blob. <laughs> the Michelin man The Michelin man guy, yeah. <laughs> and he, it, there was someone in the suit, but he, he couldn't move. You could tell he couldn't move. And when you stood close to him, you heard this sound. And I reckon it's because the suit, to keep it inflated, they must have had air blowing up one leg and coming out the other just in a constant, you know, just to keep him inflated on the spot. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. It was, uh, and uh, Mickey and Minnie and all that. But, yeah, there's loads of them, and you just use these little RFID band things. It's pretty cool. Did, did you do any of the uh, work out where the camera was on the ride and then do a pose for the camera for the photo? Well, the thing is, you've got to ride a ride a couple of times before yeah. you kind of yeah. know where it is. But but once you've done that, you can go back on and look completely unimpressed, you know, the second time <laughs> round. Get one where you just pretend to be asleep or something like that. Yeah. But a lot of them also, they'll throw effects onto them. So you get a picture on, say, the Buzz Lightyear ride. And then when you come to get the picture later, it will also have a video attached. And it's basically your picture, but they'll have put like jazzy effects onto it. So it looks like you're shooting a laser gun. <laughs> <laughs> Sign <Yeah>. me up. <laughs> <laughs> but as well as that, you can you can book places in queues. So, you know, come back in two hours time, which is good for you because it means you don't have to queue as much. But also it benefits Disney because it means that they can... If there's going to be a lot of people in one part of the park, then they can incentivize by saying, well, if you book a fast pass over here, we've got more slots over here, and it kind of distributes people more evenly throughout the park. Sure. It seems to be a thing that they're on, on top of, you know, shifting crowds away. So I talked on the last podcast about how they'll often advertise the wrong wait times to try and get people to move away. So say it's 40 minutes instead of 20 to try and get people to go elsewhere. Mm. Although if the frozen ride has taught us anything, it's that people wait five hours for a ride. <laughs> so, so what's the point? People do love frozen. Yeah, they. Oh man, they love frozen. There's a good few things that you can use phones for in the park as well. So Phineas and Ferb. Mm-hmm. Never seen it before. Cartoon, from what I gather. Seen one episode, I think. Right. Well, they, they do this thing called like Phineas and Ferb World Adventures, which is in that Epcot bit again. And it's an app. You go to a website and it does a scavenger hunt, which is quite clever. So an example is it says, go to Mexico world. And you go to the Mexico part of, of Epcot. And then it says, right, go up to the fountain. So you go up to the fountain. Look above you. There's a bunch of pinatas all attached to the ceiling. What animals do you see? And you have to say, oh, I see a donkey, an eagle, and a snake, something like that. And it says, okay, now stand directly underneath the piñatas, so you do. And then then hit next, so you hit next on the app, and it says, look up. And because you've pressed next in the app, it will have numbers lit underneath the piñatas. It says, look up, and you will see a code. Type the code into the app now. So do, do, do code in then it goes well done you've completed this bit of the scavenger hunt onto the next bit there's a lot of stuff like that Hmm. cool so one of the wife's main reasons for wanting to go is the harry potter world as well and uh, that's they've really really gone all all out on that you know they've recreated whole areas from the films and stuff but you can get these ones there that are 50 dollars to buy but it's it may just be a bit of resin but it's got a little infrared sensor in the top of it. So as you're walking around through these places, through Diagon Alley or wherever, there are little uh, icons on the floor. And if you stand on the icon with your wand and do a certain motion at, say, a, a bouquet of flowers in a window or a cauldron hanging from a street sign, then it'll trigger some kind of thing to happen. <laughs> so like there's one way it's like a fallen apart bunch of armor. And you, you do your swish and flick with your RFID, with your infrared wand, and all of the armor reassembles itself. Wow. Yeah. That is actually pretty cool, but 50 quid. I know, right? <laughs> and she got through three wands. Ooh, three? Yeah. What? So the first one, <clears throat> I think this is just Floridian heat. The first one, it, well, it was like a, because, you know, there's like loads of different types of wands you can buy depending on what house you're in and what mood you're in that day. I don't know. And the one that she got, all of the like black coating of it was coming off in her hand. Just I think because of the heat of carrying it around <laughs> in the sun. 
Second one, there was a big scratch across the RFID bit, so it, or the infrared bit, sorry. So it wasn't working with anything, which is kind of when you're sort of because in an ideal world, these will all be kind of things like, oh, I'm just walking through the Harry Potter world. Oh, look, there's a bit where I can use my wand, swish and flick. Oh, the flowers blew up or whatever. But in reality, with the queues, there's often queues four or five people deep for each one of them. Oh. So you'll be waiting in, in line for your turn to do the swish and flick that you've seen four people ahead of you already do. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get to the front and it doesn't work. You just kind of have to shrug and walk off while the person behind you does it perfectly next time. Oh. There's, there's pluses and minuses there. Well, I'm aware that I'm, I'm taking over the conversation a bit. Does anybody have anything else to offer on the future of theme parks? Theme park tech. Well, I found, found some info on a guy who's made his own, his own roller coaster ride type thing. Okay. Um, which has got a constant feedback loop on it, and you clamp on a load of sensors to your body, and basically it will go as fast as it can until your heart rate increases above a certain amount, and then it slows back down. Oh, right. So it will work out actually what your body can take. So it's your heart rate, your body temperature, and your muscle tension. So it kind of distills the roller coaster into the most perfect yeah. thrill-seeking you, you, you machine. at the line, at the edge of the line. At the absolute edge. At, on the edge all the time. Yeah, and he's, he's made it in some big um, warehouse thing. Right. It's a seven-meter-high steampunk-looking thing oh, called, called wow. the Neurotransmitter 3000. <laughs> nice. That yeah. sounds amazing. Solid improvement on the Neurotransmitter 2000. I, I, I think so, definitely. Yeah. Is, it, is it a roller coaster or is it just like a simulatory arm it, throwing it, yes, around? Yes, it's, it's a single arm that, that sort of spins you around and you're on the end of another bit that spins that around. And so you're, there yeah. was. It had gone by the time we got there, but at Epcot for a while last year, they had a ride called the Sum of All Thrills. And that was kind of, you design yourself a roller coaster using some software. And then they have a simulator you get in and you can simulate riding in that roller coaster. Okay. <laughs> wow. She's like... <laughs> It's kind of like the logical extension of in Roller Coaster Tycoon or Theme Park where you can ride the rides that you've made in the game because mm -hmm. you can just kind of feel feel the Gs, everything. That's pretty cool. That is cool. Anyway, yeah, this guy, he's a Dutch artist, um, so that links back to what you were saying at the beginning about sort of designing stuff. So he just went, yeah, let's, let's see what's possible. Mm. I want an art grant to build a ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do think, though, like... I've been on some of those rides and I think, oh man, that's pretty thrilling. But that's it when it's working. Can you imagine the poor people that have to test a roller coaster? Or does that even happen? Is everything just theory to the point where you can create a roller coaster without even having to test it? I've definitely seen, I think there was some TV program that was, I can't remember which theme park, Flamingo Land, maybe. Sure. Sure. Pick one at random. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a, uh, it was kind of like a documentary that was covering them and just like showing different aspects of the park. And I think, I think it was Flamingo Land because they had a zoo and stuff that they were covering as well. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a, an episode that I saw where they'd kind of just put in or just finished this big roller coaster, and the, the guy who designed it was going on the first ride of it, and they sort of. I think they put sort of plastic barrels filled with water in, in the different seats to kind of simulate having that number of people on. Oh, right. And then so it was like this one guy sat at the front and then a whole train load of barrels with water in and then <laughs> round he went to see how it felt and then he did it again, seeing how it felt at the back and in the middle. I mean, at a certain point, you're not going to remember, surely. <laughs> it's like when you're having an eye test. Say better or worse? I uh, don't really know. Okay, now you're going to sit in the front left seat. Better or worse? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think the consensus is if you want to go fast, you sit at the back of a roller coaster, isn't it? Because then you get dragged into all of the loops. You sort of, if you're at the front, you sort of you get usually... powered through things. Like you will go part way down a drop slowly, and mm. then you'll just get accelerated down the rest of it, mm. or same into a loop. Whereas at the back, you tend to get whipped over stuff yeah and then you got the, the kind of bit in the middle 
which is the, the middle ground where nobody wants to be. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if it saves me having to queue in those, because you know they often have a separate queue for the front of the the roller mm. coaster, which just I don't know, it's just not worth it, not in my mind. Oh, you say that, but you see, the last time I went to uh, Alton Towers, uh, a friend of mine, unfortunately, terribly on his part, had done some real damage to his legs, and so was on crutches. You know what? And and so we ended up getting on the first line for every ride. Uh, we we had a friend, and we had a similar experience. I don't know if you were there for that I one. I wasn't. I missed out on that one. Is that the one where we had like the all night sleepover or whatever? This is when I don't we were like think it was. 10 or 12 or something There's like definitely that. definitely a, a period of time where we went to Alton Towers quite regularly. Yeah. Our youth, I think yeah. it was. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> Back when we could handle rides. See, I'm just kind of chasing that, <laughs> trying to go hitting all the parks in Disney World to try and get that feeling back. But you know what? Pirates of the Caribbean, it's not as good as I remember it being. Sure. Although they have put Jack Sparrow all over it. Because <laughs> the film's based on the ride. Mm. And now it's come full circle. And now Jack Sparrow is all over the ride. The film's based on the ride? Yeah. Yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride has been there for ages. Mm. You know the, what? you know the, <laughs> <laughs> the adventure Mind game boom. Monkey Island. Yeah, that's based on, like, they came up with that idea having ridden Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride. Wow, from the front, middle, and back. <laughs> <laughs> there was a ride I went on at Universal, which is called like the Red red rip rocket or something like that and that one it closes you in it's a roller coaster it pulls you up vertically to begin with so it you know it gets it gets the getting to the top out of the way pretty quick it doesn't drop you vertically which i think is a weird design choice to have like the thrilling bit be going up and then the rest of it's just a normal roller coaster but when you're sat in the seat you sort of pull your restraint on it it's got a small screen in it where you can choose the music that blasts in your just blasted in your ears as you go around the roller coaster so you've got five options there. So country, rock, pop, whatever. It's like picking your own hold music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so not quite as exciting. <laughs> so you sat in the ride and then it just blasts that as you go around. But that book, that it, it actually told me that on that ride, at the top of the, the screen, it's got a little icon for the ride. If you hold that icon down for 10 seconds and release it, a number pad pops up and then you can enter in a three digit number to get a whole load of songs that aren't on there as well. What? Yeah. How would they do that? It's like they put an Easter egg Easter in eggs on there. <laughs> I don't know. It's the software guys having a good time, I guess. So did you do it? Yeah, it did. But they've got like Metallica on there all the way to, say, music from the Muppets film. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And I was saying to David yesterday as well, you've got a few of these rides where you go around and it's like um, a shooting gallery. Mm-hmm. So you're on tracks and you've got a gun and you've, you've, you've got a little, it's got a sensor in it and you shoot all these targets. There are people that have created these exhaustive guides online for how to get the most points. Like in the Men in Black ride, uh, an alien will drop down from the ceiling. Do not shoot him. Shoot the windows to your left because you'll get a load more points. And make sure you <laughs> hold the trigger down because it just keeps firing automatically. And every 20 shots you take, you'll automatically get a 1,000 points, even if you don't hit anything. And all this just kind of exhaustive information about a ride that you'd never get 100 times. Like if you, wrote, if, if, if you went on the ride 100 times. But these people somehow... And I think what you said, David, about it maybe being the people that developed it could be could be on point. Yeah, or people who ran the ride for a while. Yeah. Because you got to imagine, like, after hours, you know, everybody will jump on their favorite ride yeah. for a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing, like, that's one of the things that interests me most about never having been to any of the Disney worlds or lands or anything. Yeah. Um, it's just the sort of hidden stuff. Like, did you go looking for any hidden Mickeys or anything? I didn't actively seek them out, but I know they're there. Yeah. You can just feel it. What's that? So they're... (laughs) (laughs) So, like, kind of built into bits of the architecture or into bits of the theming, they hide sort of Mickey Mouse heads. Mm. Um, So... Decapitated ones. no, (laughs) No, it'll just be sort of like... I don't know, like Let there'll the be there'll be a backdrop painted with clouds or something. And if you look in one of the clouds, like sort of 
slightly out of the way, there'll be a cloud that's shaped like Mickey Mouse's head. Mm. And they're just all over the place. So there's guides online and things of just covering all these hidden Mickeys all over. And just kind of, I've read a lot of the, I guess some Reddit, ask me anything Mm -hmm. threads and just general things that people put together about working at uh, Disneyland and all the sort of the way that they've got all these tunnels built underneath yeah. the I saw a theme video parts. of the tunnels, uh, which is they're quite big tunnels. They're sort of you know kind of Doctor Evil layer. You can drive a little golf cart through and kind of yeah. tunnels to get people from A to B. So they're they're so committed to the theming that they don't want. They've got like central changing rooms or whatever, but they don't want you know, let's say Pocahontas walking through the Toy Story Land because yeah. that ruins the immersion so they have these tunnels built under the theme park so that the different characters can get dressed and then go and emerge at the place that they actually need to be there's a lot of yeah a lot of yeah. rules like uh if if the if the people who are in character so dressed as snow white or whatever are surrounded or if they if they're approached by a certain amount of people they're not allowed to move in case they step backwards and trip over a kid something mm. like that so they have to kind of the crowd has to be dispersed before they're able to move on to wherever not that we saw anyone just kind of hanging about if you wanted to get a picture with snow white or goofy or whatever you had to wait in a line for half an hour or so <laughs> apart from pocahontas no one wanted to see pocahontas Is that why <laughs> so we'll get in that line <laughs> yeah did you uh did you go to this star wars bit yeah is that good yeah it's it's all right there's a ride called star tours which is kind of a simulator ride because that's what all the rides are these days and it's uh, it's kind of like a, a 3D simulator, but it's 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 in two halves. So there's a video, there's a first half of the video, then a bit where you're shot into hyperspace, and then the second half of the video. And I think there's something like 50 different variations of what you can experience there. There's like loads of different videos that they've shot. So we went on the ride, and then we had a fast pass coming up, so we went on again, and it was completely different the second time. Mm. So I guess mm. it's kind of designed to be ridden and so you can have different experiences because there are people who buy things like annual passes you know to keep coming back i guess they want you to keep coming back so you can they can get more money out of you Mm. saying that i think you talked about ripsaw um -hmm. which that's just like um spins you around on an arm and sprays water at you with um jets there's a whole bunch of different variations of the program that that can run as well. Mm. So, yeah, two rides on that will be completely different. Yeah, there's um, Tower of Terror, which sort of takes you up to the top of this Hollywood hotel and drops you. That's also got an element of randomness in it in how it sort of drops you up and down. The other thing as well is with the Fast Pass. So if you beep through Fast Pass, which means you're going to be in the short queue, they've, they'll have theming in there that will have your name built in. So they've got an Aerosmith themed ride called Rock and Roller Coaster at Universal Studios. No, at um, uh, uh, Hollywood Studios. And while you're in the queue for that, there's these uh, faux posters for concerts coming up on the wall, and it'll say like, your name in concerts. <laughs> <laughs> we never saw our name, but we saw other people's, and so we're happy for them. <laughs> <laughs> and just one last thing to say about the whole affair is, although it's not technically a theme park, we went to Disney Springs, which is kind of like their sh- their shopping resorts that's or their shopping complex that's near all of their hotel resorts. And we went for a dining experience there. They have these themed restaurants. So one of the most famous ones is this, like the Be Our Guest restaurant at Magic Kingdom, which is a, a whole thing where, you know, they do song and dance numbers and what have you. We went to the T-Rex Cafe, which is a massive <laughs> dinosaur-themed uh, restaurant, really, really loud, just surrounded by these animatronic dinosaurs, it's all themed, so one area is kind of foresty, one looks ice agey. Uh, there's like a massive fish tank in the middle of it. So you kind of sat there eating, you know, your, your barbecue meatloaf with like a big stegosaurus animatronic at the side there, occasionally going, <laughs> making noise, <laughs> which is ridiculous enough. But then every 15 or 20 minutes, <clears throat> there's a simulated meteor strike where the whole cafe or the whole restaurant goes dark. There's like this deep rumble 
you see these things <laughs> that look like these projected meteors flying across this fake canopy and all the dinosaurs go mad. And uh, it just... <laughs> so you've got this stegosaurus just screaming in your ear while it's pitch black with this deep bassy rumble going through the whole restaurant. Great place for a first date. All oh, in all. man, it, it was the only place that we can the only themed dining that we did, but man, it was something. <laughs> really... <laughs> Yeah, I've got, I've got video footage. Uh, I'll subject you all to the video when, when I get around to putting we'll it We'll put together. it on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, that's all I've got to say. I think I've got it out of my system now. So, <laughs> thank you. If anyone's got a couple more minutes, I've got a not Kickstarter to talk about. Uh, I know that you've seen it, David. Uh, this It's not actually a Kickstarter. It was funded by Venture Capitalist, but it's been getting a lot of, uh, lot of headlines recently. This juice... Juicero, juice squeezy juice. maker machine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You not any of you um, heard about this, Viv? It's come across my newsfeed. Yeah. Adam? No, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't heard about this. No. It's all over social media, Adam. Yeah, know, everybody's fake doing? outraged. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Juicero, it was designed by a guy called Doug Evans, and he, uh, I think he, he was selling them originally for $700, although I think it's been reduced to $399 now. Yeah. Um, which is still too much, in my <laughs> humble opinion. It's essentially a hydraulic press with a few bells and whistles uh, that creates like juice drinks for you. It's all very smart and it's linked very, to apps and things. Yeah, it's kind of like if Apple made, you know, you know that saying, if Apple made, if Apple made a drinks machine, a kind of juicer mm. drinks machine. Um. So it's seven hundred dollars. Uh, you can, it can only be used with these special juicero uh, packets, these juice packets uh, that are between seven and ten dollars per pack. So that's ten and seven and ten dollars for every drink that you want out of this machine. Wow. Yeah, and, and they'll uh, only sell you those packets if you've already bought a juicero yeah. machine. You have to own the machine to be able to buy these packets for the privilege of paying between seven and ten dollars for these packets. But I don't know, is it not just fruit? Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's not like you receive the fruit and then it is crushed before your very eyes and all of the nutrients come out fresh. It, it's already crushed. What the machine essentially just does is empties the contents for you. So this is this is the the this is thing. the crux of it. Yeah, this is the controversy. Is the controversy. So the you buy this massive, and it's quite a large device it's bigger than people expected it to be it's kind of like i guess maybe mini fridge size yeah um and you slot these you buy this expensive device you buy these expensive packets in sort of foiled up packets slot them in run this press and it squeezes out this juice for you um so you kind of assume that you've got you know fruit Mm -hmm. somehow prepared but kind of that needs this amount of pressure to produce this juice. This is pressure that could lift two, it's like it could lift two Teslas or something like that, I think is how they advertised it. That's the kind of... Is that standard unit these days? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's two <laughs> Teslas to, to the glass. <laughs> but what happened is somebody got a hold of one of these packets and then squeezed it by hand mm-hmm. and got exactly the same juice out of it. I think they got it faster as well. <laughs> Yields the uh, uh, Bloom- Bloomberg did its own press test and uh, but they just put got a reporter to squeeze it and they it's they yielded pretty much exactly the same amount of juice and sometimes faster. Wow! But that's not even the worst of it. Um, although this is a selling point apparently. So there's an article on BoingBoing.net saying uh, that uh, the packs are marked with a QR code. And when you put it into the machine, the juicero scans it to make sure that it's fresh. And if it's uh, if it gets out of code, uh, so, so if it's out of date or if it's out of code, so if you say bought a third party equivalent, it won't. It'll reject it. <laughs> and these things have a shelf life if you put them in the fridge for of about a week. So if you're not constantly cycling your juice supply, you won't be able to use the packets. And that was actually a stated uh, benefit of it. So there was this controversy and uh, I think the CEO puts up a notice on a, a blog somewhere saying, hey, look, we know 
We know you can squeeze it out by hand, but man, that's that's not the Juicero experience, you know? We're not just offering you juice here. We're offering quality control, you know? If we if, if a bad batch gets reduced, uh, released accidentally, we can blacklist it so that it your your juicer won't squeeze it so and so thereby... seven, seven to ten dollars has been completely wasted <laughs> yeah uh which is just it's 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 a juice bag with drm on it it is <laughs> if your wi-fi goes down are you not able to drink apparently it, it's always on i i don't know if we infer from that that yeah if the wi-fi goes down you can't have a drink but that's uh this is where it's we're headed, just, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I mean, I I think we can get a little bit further, but it's it's well on the way to just the ultimate making stuff internet enabled because story. yeah, and what to yeah to the consumer's detriment because I mean mm. by locking it so you can only use certain juice packs in with your decreasing the utility of the device for what's essentially a modicum of convenience. So that you can just have the packs sent to you. Have has anyone bought this? Uh, I guess. Yeah, they must have. Bloomberg did. It's I kind guess. of yeah. <laughs> it's kind of very much a Silicon Valley kind of bubble. I think of people that would buy this product or have an interest in it. Listen, if people are buying it, good luck to them because that's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And but the part of the advertising campaign is something like you know, but bringing juice to the masses, bringing good juice to the masses, to the masses. Yeah. When if you Everyone think with like that. with the the money they raised like 112 million or whatever to to go and fund this thing, you I also get juice you could give to the people. <laughs> you also get like return shipping labels for the juice packets. You're supposed to cut once you've finished squeezing the juice out mm-hmm. you're supposed to cut once the juice is loose once the juice is loose <laughs> you're supposed to cut it open wash out the packet and then ship the empty juice packet back oh, to the company it gets worse doesn't it? <laughs> it does you think the machine would clean it for you or something yeah i don't know i'll leave you with this thought though so this is from the uh this is from the guy the the brains behind it doug evans he says, not all juice is equal. How do you measure life force? How do you measure chi? <laughs> and that says pretty much everything that you, <laughs> everything you need to know about the juicero machine. So there you go. That's our non-Kickstarter of the week. Okay, well, that'll, uh, that'll just about do it, I think. Uh, thank you very much, Viv, for, for, for joining us. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, we wish you luck in all future endeavours. Thank you we'll very see much. you tomorrow anyway, so yeah. don't worry about it. Um, okay, well, that'll be the end of the podcast. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Please send us an email about anything we've discussed or not discussed at podcast at unravelingtechnology.co.uk or get in touch with us on Twitter at Unraveling Tech. And there's the blog, unraveling.technology. Adam, any new articles recently? Uh, yeah, there is. Um, I can't remember what it is, though. Okay. Surprise. Go Surprise on. mystery Woo. box. Go and have a look. <laughs> And uh, leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't done so already. Uh, But from all of us here in the Unraveling Technology podcast studios, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.